Hello, and welcome to this audio edition of Philip Pusher's program notes for upcoming concerts by the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. I'm Rich Caparola. Concerts by the CSO on Thursday, March 24th and Saturday, the 26th, feature guest conductor Anna Rikitina and cellist Alisa Wallerstein for an all-Tchaikovsky program. The program includes Capriccio Italien with Alisa Wallerstein, Variations on a Rococo theme, and Pezzo Capriccioso, and the concerts conclude with selections from Tchaikovsky's Nutcracker Ballet. Here are program notes by Philip Husher on Tchaikovsky's Variations on a Rococo theme for cello and orchestra, a work lasting about 18 minutes. In ways he couldn't have predicted, 1876 turned out to be a turning point in Tchaikovsky's life. He began the year traveling to Paris, where he saw Bizet's Carmen at the end of its opening run of 48 performances. Bizet had died in June on the night of the 33rd performance. This music has no pretensions to profundity, Tchaikovsky later wrote, but it is so charming in its simplicity, so vigorous, not contrived, but instead sincere, that I learned all of it from beginning to end almost by heart. Tchaikovsky now realized how much he wanted to write a new opera himself, and for a while he considered basing one on the tale of Francesca da Rimini from Dante's Inferno, although later in the year he decided it was best treated as an orchestral piece. In August, Tchaikovsky went to the opening of the Bayreuth Festival in Bavaria for the landmark premiere of Wagner's complete ring cycle. His first impression of Wagner's monumental score was of an incredible chaos through which are caught occasional fleeting glimpses of extraordinarily beautiful and striking particulars. Tchaikovsky visited Wagner's home but failed to meet the superstar composer. He did see Liszt, who greeted him warmly. The entire experience exhausted and irritated him, but once he arrived back home in Russia, he returned to composition with renewed interest, and by the year's end, he had composed some of his finest and most popular works, including the variations on a Rococo theme, as well as Francesca da Remini, no longer an opera but a full-length symphonic poem. In December, after sketching Francesca da Remini, Tchaikovsky wrote a set of variations for his cellist friend, Wilhelm Karl Friedrich Fitzenhagen, principal of the Orchestra of the Imperial Russian Music Society in Moscow. Both their friendship and Tchaikovsky's writing routine were put to the test by the experience, as Fitzhagen played an increasingly active, often meddlesome role in the writing of his piece. In the end, he omitted one of the variations, switched the order of others, made numerous alterations, and even rewrote the solo part, making his changes directly on Tchaikovsky's manuscript. Tchaikovsky's publisher, completely caught off guard, wrote to the composer, Horrible Fitzenhagen insists on changing your cello piece. He wants to cello it up and claims you gave him permission. Good God. Tchaikovsky, rarely the most self-confident of composers, acquiesced, and then, a decade later, sent his next piece for cello and orchestra, the Pezzo Capriccioso, performed after intermission at these concerts, to Fitzenhagen for editing. The finished score, Variations on a Rococo theme, is pure Tchaikovsky in spirit, if not in fact. It's one of his most poised and elegant works, a throwback to the orderly musical sensibilities of Mozart's time, an era to which Tchaikovsky often was drawn, particularly as a retreat from his own difficulties. Perhaps it is just because, being a child of my time, 
I feel broken and spiritually out of joint that I find consolation and rest in the music of Mozart, he once wrote. The theme of these variations, introduced by the cello after a particularly gracious opening sentence from the orchestra, might almost pass as a simple melody by Mozart in another context. Tchaikovsky writes seven variations that range from lyrical to virtuosic. The third is a particularly gracious slow movement. The cello has the main theme in its many permutations in all but the fifth variation, where the orchestra takes the lead, allowing the soloist to circle around it and then finally to take back the spotlight in a grand cadenza. The final variation is a dazzling tour de force. That December, while Tchaikovsky was working on the Rococo variations, Nikolai Rubinstein organized a chamber music concert for Leo Tolstoy, who was visiting Moscow. Tchaikovsky never forgot the moment when the great novelist, sitting beside me and listening to the Andante of my first quartet, burst into tears. The two men met several times over the next two weeks. After a particularly spirited night of conversation at the composer's apartment, Tolstoy wrote that he had never received so precious a reward for my literary labors as this marvelous evening. That same month, Tchaikovsky was contacted for the first time by a wealthy patron of the arts, Najda von Meck, who would soon become his soulmate, cherished correspondent, and endlessly generous benefactress. Program notes by Philip Usher on Tchaikovsky's Variations on a Rococo Theme. And now on to Tchaikovsky's Nutcracker Ballet, selections from the ballet score lasting about 30 minutes. Although The Nutcracker is the work that introduces Tchaikovsky to many music lovers, the composer didn't have high hopes for its future. He complained in particular that the story, based on E.T.A. Hoffman's The Nutcracker and the Mouse King, simplified by Alexander Dumas and further watered down by the choreographer Marius Petipa, lacked the compelling drama of his two previous big ballets, Swan Lake and The Sleeping Beauty. After Petipa handed him a synopsis annotated with measure-by-measure musical suggestions, Tchaikovsky was stunned. I am experiencing a crisis, he said at the time. He was so reluctant to undertake the project that when he was invited to the United States in the spring of 1891 to conduct his music at the gala opening of Carnegie Hall, he accepted with enthusiasm, procrastination on a global scale. As he was passing through Paris on the way to America, Tchaikovsky picked up a newspaper, turned to the back page, and learned of the death of his sister, Sasha. He arrived in America broken and despairing. His mood was further darkened when a fellow passenger on the ship threw himself overboard and he was asked to translate the suicide note. But he put on his best public face, ready to conquer a new world. Tchaikovsky was amazed to discover how famous he was in the United States. It seems that in America I am better known than in Europe, he quipped. By 1891, he had already composed most of the works on which his fame rests. He had recently completed his Fifth Symphony, which had been introduced to this country in New York City two years earlier by Theodore Thomas, who would launch the Chicago Symphony Orchestra the next October. In America that spring, Tchaikovsky conducted concerts of his music in New York, Philadelphia, and Baltimore, made quick tours to the nation's capital and Niagara Falls, like Mahler a few years later, and was genuinely impressed by the frankness, sincerity, and generosity of this country. But when he returned home, he was depressed, 
irritable, and unable to make satisfactory headway on the Nutcracker. The ballet is infinitely worse than Sleeping Beauty. That much is certain, he wrote to his nephew. Although he continued to complain that his brain was empty, Tchaikovsky eventually warmed to the project. In the end, he wrote some of his finest and most inspired music, finishing the score so far ahead of the deadline that he prepared a concert suite of excerpts which he conducted nine months before the ballet was staged. In this truncated form, the Nutcracker became one of his most enduring works. For a lot of people, Tchaikovsky is the Nutcracker, but not the ballet in full, only the suite from it, wrote George Balanchine, one of the greatest men to be associated with the ballet, first as a dancer and later as a choreographer. Theodore Thomas gave the U.S. premiere of the suite with the Chicago Orchestra, as it was then called, on October 22, 1892, in the Auditorium Theater, early in the orchestra's second season, among the first in a long line of premieres the Chicago Symphony has given over the years. This week's concerts include the suite Thomas introduced to America, followed by the grand pas de deux. These pieces are miniature pictures painted with infinite grace and care, begins the program note for the 1892 Chicago premiere. The eight numbers of the suite fall into three movements, the miniature overture, so named because it lacks a genuine development section, six characteristic dances, including the dance of the sugar plum fairy with its signature role for the recently invented Celesta, which Tchaikovsky had discovered in Paris, where he was seduced by its divinely beautiful tone, and the soaring Waltz of the Flowers. We conclude with the celebrated Pas de Deux, its sweeping long-breathed andante melody slowly rising to a grand climax. Program notes by Philip Husher on selections from Tchaikovsky's Nutcracker Ballet. I'm Rich Caparella. Thanks for listening. Music